so it's time. I've decided it's time. <laughs> I am Dr. Jalandra Davis. I am a writer, a scholar, and a, I say I I'm an amateur mermaid um, and a mermaid enthusiast. And I write about African diasporic mermaid stories. I have actually been thinking a really long time about doing a mermaid podcast or YouTube or something along those lines, because um, I've been a mermaid enthusiast since before I took this on as a scholarly project. And I've been hesitating for a lot of reasons, um, a lot of fears <laughs> around being um, very public, you know, as a Black woman intellectual, um, just a lot of things that maybe I'll use this podcast as a forum to kind of get into. Um, but, you know, it's, it's time, it's time. <laughs> um, one of the things that, I mean, this Little Mermaid, um, you know, the Little Mermaid, I'm sure anyone who's listening to this is interested enough in mermaids to know that the teaser trailer recently came out with Holly Bailey. Um, and I thought that everybody already knew this because I've been sort of following and anticipating and waiting for this film since before she was cast. Um, but apparently people didn't know Ariel was gonna be black, you know? Um, so the way that I feel about this Little Mermaid conversation is the way that I imagine a lot of, um, people, you know, people who are really diehard into things, like people who are into anime. If someone says they're like a diehard anime fan and you say, oh, I like Sailor Moon. <laughs> You know, they'll look at you like you're, you know, you know, like, you know, because you have no idea. You're only scratching the surface. You just know kind of this really popular example that, you know, everyone knows about and, you, and you're not a true fan. That's kind of how I feel about Little Mermaid. <laughs> you know, every time I tell someone, you know, lately that this is what I work on, that this is what I write about, you know, they bring up, oh, you know about Holly Bailey being the Little Mermaid and people are mad and yes, yes, I, I know, I'm, I'm, I'm deeply aware. Um, you know, there's just so much more, you know, there's so much more. I'm happy for Holly. I think she's absolute perfection. And maybe in another episode, I'll go into some more depths and thinking about, you know, everything that's going on around this casting. But there is so much more. There is such a long, rich tradition of Black mermaid stories, um, going back to African cosmologies and water spirits such as Yemeya Noshun and Mamiwata and La Sirin, who are referred to or described as mermaids. Um, you know, folk tales like Mama Jo, the first Black mermaid I remember ever seeing in print um, was Mama Jo in the picture book um, Robert's, Robert Sansauchi um, and the Brian Pinkney, Pinky, Pinkney illustrated picture book, Suki and the Mermaid. And in this picture book, the mermaid is this magical, powerful surrogate mother to this neglected child. And this comes out, this picture book is based on a folktale that comes out of South Carolina that is also thought to be connected to the Mama de Lowe, um stories of the, of the Caribbean and Trinidad and Tobago, which are thought themselves to be 
localized versions, manifestations of Mami Wata, who is an African water goddess, right? So there's this like long tradition of these mermaid stories that are circulated in Black culture and also of, of Black women and, and Black artists personifying the mermaid. So one of the first mermaids I remember, the first Black mermaid I remember seeing on screen was Sade, <laughs> you know, no ordinary, no ordinary love, right? And so some of the people in the mermaid community are like just discovering this video and so excited about it. And I'm like, we've been, we've been knew that. We've been knew that. Black people been known about Sade being a mermaid in that video. You know, we, we have our own stuff, <laughs> you know? We have our own stuff. Um, there was a tweet that went viral that I really loved. Um, oh gosh, I want to make sure I get the author. I think her Twitter handle is that witch bitch <laughs> and um, the real fine. I think what those are her Twitter handles. Um, I'll put in the notes, but she posted a tweet that went viral that I'm sure people have seen or heard about all them Africans y'all threw in the ocean and you surprised the mermaid is black. <laughs> and so I was really excited to see that and to jump on that conversation because that's actually talking about those kind of mermaid stories, mer the stories where um, people who are thrown overboard during the middle passage or who jump overboard um, become mermaids or become an aquatic form of life. That's actually the like main focus of my research, but I'll talk about that another time. I was really excited to see that thread because it started some really great conversations about black mermaid stories. One of the tweets that I remember seeing in that thread was, oh, this is such a cool idea. What if Poseidon turned the mermaid, turned the people into mermaids? Oh, that would be so cool. Disney should make that. Ah, like blood boiling, right? I mean, I'm not mad at the tweet author. I like the tweet because the tweet gave me an opportunity to say that there are already, that, that story already exists. Disney doesn't need to make that story. We don't need Disney to mess with the transatlantic slave trade. I'll be completely fine with, with, with them leaving that alone unless they're gonna hire all black creators to, to do it, right? Um, that story already exists. There are already black thinkers and creators from Drexia, which is a um, electronic group out of the nineties to, um, Ellen Gallagher, who's a visual artist who depicts art to this. River Solomon is a writer whose work I write about, um, who writes about this. Um, River Solomon's book was based on Clipping, which is a hip hop group song about this. Um, the Clipping was inspired by Parliament Funkadelic and Drexia. Um, Nalo Hawkinson, who is one of my mentors and one of my favorite writers, wrote a whole book about like, we have already done this, we have our own stuff. And so that's why I think it's really important at this time for me to enter this public debate <laughs> and these public conversations because we have our own stuff. I don't want people to think that they come up with these ideas and you know, like black people haven't already done it. Like we haven't already be, been dreaming this imaginary. We don't need Poseidon. <laughs> we don't need Poseidon. We've got Mami Wata and Yemiya and Olokun, you know, um, we don't need Poseidon, <laughs> right? So we've got our own stuff. We've got our own mermaid mythology. I wanna back up a little bit. Um, I've always loved mermaids growing up, 
um, I have always been attracted to mermaid stories before I even found out about any black mermaid stories. And maybe even before I even saw the little mermaid, I saw the little, the little mermaid came out when I was pretty little, like five, six years old, but I started reading really early. And I remember reading other stories about mermaids. Um, I read the Odyssey, um, probably not when I was five, probably a little bit older, but I definitely read the Odyssey and read about the sirens who are not described as mermaids in the Odyssey, but they will become conflated with mermaids, right, later in sort of history. But, um, you know, this is the idea of these this, these beautiful voices that sing and lure men to their deaths, right? Um, so I knew about those sort of siren stories. I knew about the stories of the sea wives, um, very similar to Selkie stories, which was the idea that a mermaid, um, a man had to steal something from her in order to take possession of her, um, whether that was her comb or her knife or her cap um, or her mirror. Some um, possession that she cherished, he had to take it from her. And as long as he kept it hidden and kept possession of it, she had to stay on land with him and be his wife and bear his children. And the mermaid always wanted to go back to the ocean. And as soon as she found that thing that belonged to her, she would go back. She would go back right away. Lead the kids, lead a man, go back. And, um, yeah, I don't, and I don't know, similar to the Selkie stories, right? The Selkies are the seal women, who um, they are seals in the water and they're um, women, beautiful women on land. And if a man steals their seal skin when they're out of it, then they possess them until they recover it. I, I've just always been really drawn to these stories. You know, there's the story of the Melusine, um, which is described as a French story, but I remember reading this story in Arabian, um, in, um, a Thousand and One Nights. <laughs> I'm going to have to go back to a copy of that and track this down because I feel like I read this story before I came across the French version of it. But um, the Melusine story is of, she's a sea fairy, not necessarily usually described as a mermaid, but um, sometimes she's kind of a sea fairy. Sometimes she's kind of a serpent woman, almost like a dragon sometimes. But she is this sort of magical sea creature woman who marries a king and makes him promise to leave her alone once a week leave her alone let her have a day to herself in her bath right and he can't look at her when she's bathing um and if he looks at her she will immediately go back to the sea so i just see this recurring theme in a lot of mermaid stories about autonomy right autonomy having your own things having your own space having control over your life having freedom. And I don't know why from such a young age, I was so drawn to these stories. It's like, it's like I always knew that patriarchy wasn't it, <laughs> you know? Cause there's just so much about gender and power in these stories. I, I think there's a critique of patriarchy that runs throughout these stories. I think the mermaid represents a woman that is free and that speaks to me. <laughs> it spoke to me as a little girl and it speaks to me now as a black woman in the world that I think constantly sort of demands my subordination and my labor. And it speaks to me as a wife and mother, you know, and I, when I find myself really struggling around the kind of labor 
that is called of of women in households and within motherhood and within marriage, which is not necessarily equitable to what we ask of men. Um, so, you know, this is some of what mermaids represent to me. Their magic, it's beauty, it's whimsical. Um, and I love all of that. I've always been pretty feminine and I've really identified with the things that women and girls like. Like I liked princesses, I like fairy tales, even at the same time that I've always been, um, I've been, maybe not always been, but that I've been increasingly critical about issues around gender and power and social justice as I've, as I've moved throughout my life. Um, one of the things I've realized is that the things that women and girls often like and love and are drawn toward the things that are designed and marketed to us are often dismissed, you know? And so I think that it's possible to have a critique of patriarchy and to be a feminist, but still identify with girl and women culture, right? And, and mermaids are definitely kind of a part of girl culture, um, but obviously something that a lot of us respond to. Every time I tell someone that I am writing about mermaids, that I'm studying mermaids, that mermaids is my life work, life's work right now, whether it's a man, woman, child, adult, old person, young person, scientist, creative person, their eyes just light up. <laughs> like their eyes light up and shine. Um, there's just something about the mystery and the wonder of these creatures that are somewhat like us, somewhat human, but not quite, who live in the ocean, which is the most, I think, magnificent physical force, you know, in this, in this, in this, in this, on this earth, right? And it's tied to so many things, the ocean and water are tied to so many meanings about life and cycles and power. So this is some of what mermaids mean to me. You know, they signify power, mystery, feminine autonomy, um, you know, girlhood, womanhood, uh, but not exclusively, right? Because there's lots of people, you know, queer people, gender non-conforming people, men who also identify with mermaid stories. Um, you know, they signify all of this, and I think that Black mermaid stories often contain so much else, right? Because so much of, not all of it, but a lot of Black mermaid lore is anchored within African cosmologies, African religions, African indigenous religions and spirituality. And so that's something that I want to use this podcast to think about and talk about and explore. Um, one of the things I've been realizing as I write about mermaids in my research in my career right now is that there's just not room to talk about everything. <laughs> you know, there are so, you know, I started out with this project a few years ago, kind of reaching a little bit in terms of looking for the text that I wanted to talk about. And I don't have to reach no more. It just seems like I discover something new every day, you know, whether it's something that came out a long time ago you know, or whether it just came out. I think a lot of stuff has come out in the last few years since 2016. And I have a theory about that, but I'll talk about that in another episode. Um, but there's just so much Black Mermaid stuff. And yeah, there's not room to talk about it all in my research. So I want to have a space where I can geek out about this stuff and share it with other people. So um, I want to talk a little bit about the title of the podcast. 
Um, it's the Merwomanist podcast, and I call myself a Merwomanist. And I've already talked about the mer side of that and some of the meanings that mermaids carry for me. But I want to talk a little bit about the womanist side of that and what that means. So I take womanist from Alice Walker's theory of womanism and her definition of womanist, and I'm just going to read through it in the bridge version of this. Womanist, one, from womanish opposite of girlish, frivolous, irresponsible, not serious, a Black feminist or feminist of color. From the Black folk expression of mothers to female children, you act in womanish, i.e. like a woman, usually referring to outrageous, audacious, courageous, or willful behavior, wanting to know more and in greater depth than is considered good for one, interested in grown-up doings, acting grown-up, being grown-up, interchangeable with another black folk expression, you trying to be grown. Also, two, a woman who loves other women sexually and or non-sexually, appreciates and prefers women's culture, women's emotional flexibility, and women's strength, sometimes loves individual men sexually and or non-sexually, committed to survival and wholeness of entire people, male and female, and I'm gonna add gender non-conforming, not a separatist except periodically for health. Loves three, loves music, loves dance, loves the moon, loves the spirit, loves love and food and roundness, loves struggle, loves the folk, loves herself regardless. Womanist is to feminist as purple is to lavender. So the definition of womanism is it's a theory of, I mean, to say it's put it simply, it's a feminist theory. It's a kind of a feminist theory, but it's a feminist theory that is grounded in Black culture, right? Grounded in Black culture, particularly Black women's culture. And I say that not to be exclusive because anyone can engage in, um, any gender can engage in and appreciate women's culture and girls' culture. I think it's about valuing it and appreciating it, right? Appreciating emotional flexibility, appreciating the kinds of art forms, um, you know, like quilting and the certain kinds of oral culture that comes out of Black women's culture. Um, African diasporic culture and African diasporic cosmologies and the the values of things like dance and things like cycles and circles and ciphers, um, soulfulness, um, spirituality, right? So it's a way of thinking about the world that centers gender but isn't limited to it, you know, I think is one way that I would describe womanism. Um, so to me, to be a mer-womanist is for me to um, womanism is also about justice, right? It's also about social justice and health and healing. So for me, being a more womanist is pursuing justice and pursuing health and pursuing healing through creativity and spirituality and soulfulness and, um, and the spirit, right? And I think that, you know, mermaids are very spiritual, you know, for Black, for Black people, <laughs> you know, and it's very spiritual for me. Um, so that's what the Merwoman is, is all about. And some of the things that I plan to talk about, of course, I want to share and think about different films and books and movies um, and scholarship that feature Black mermaid traditions. 
Um, I would also like to be this to be a space where I talk about other mermaids of color and traditions that come out of other cultures that I think that I can identify with coming out of Black culture, right? So Indigenous um, and other kinds of traditions. Um, I want to talk about Black people's relationship to water, right? That's something that I'm thinking about a lot in my own life. You know, I just learned to swim <laughs> within the last couple years as an adult, and I pretty much was really motivated to learn to swim because I wanted to be a mermaid. <laughs> so for anyone who's going to see the visual version of this, I have my tails hanging up behind me um, that I'm still getting good enough at swimming to actually be able to safely use water safety. It's important. Um, but yeah, our relationship to water, because it's, it's complex, it's complicated. You know, there's a lot of trauma in that relationship, but wherever there is trauma, there is the possibility for healing and restoration. And there are a lot of Black people doing really beautiful things around water, you know, swimming societies and scuba diving. Um, there's a scuba diving society that dives in order to recover artifacts and honored ancestors in the slave ships. Um, I'm going to try to find the name of that society and put it in the notes. But there's just so many beautiful things that we're doing around healing our relationship to the water and the earth. And one of the ways we're doing that is through fantasy, you know, through mermaiding. Um, so I also want to talk to some professional Black, black professional mermaids, because I feel like the Black professional mermaids don't get the attention, you know, when you look at other kinds of mermaid podcasts and platforms and YouTube channels, you don't see um, much representation, but there are so many people there, which I know because I'm a part of this community. So this is some of what I want to do with this. Um, I'm going to go ahead and close this here. And I'm excited about this journey and about you all being along for the swim. <laughs>